Do you remember RJ Barrett's sweet pink suit he wore at the draft or all the other stuff he's been wearing for tunnel walks and other events? These are all Indochino suits and blazers. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything's made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Plus, you get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. RJ Barrett's brand new collection with Indochino just dropped, featuring limited edition fabrics and jacket linings that RJ helped pick out and design. Indochino's process is very simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and then you submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in just two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or you can do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. So right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when you enter Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, the shipping is totally free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Wearing stuff that doesn't fit is bad. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway, lays it in. Zach Levine does it again. The lane shot on the back. Oh, the finisher, Larry Markkinen. The crossover, Levine. Get up or get out the way, Trey Young. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Jason Pat here with Ricky O'Donnell. As always, we are brought to you by Indochinos. Harry's and Roman. We are here to talk uh, about the three and seven Chicago Bulls. Uh, we are 10 games in the season now. Nice little benchmark they've reached. Uh, since we've last talked, the Bulls went one and two this week. They had a pretty epic loss to the Los Angeles Lakers at home earlier in the week. They lost 118 to 112 in a game where they actually looked really good uh, for basically three quarters. They dominated the first half. Third quarter, the Lakers reeled them in, or at least kept them within striking distance a little bit. And then the fourth quarter was a total disaster. Lakers outscored the Bulls 38 to 19. Uh, they went on like a 16-0 run. I believe it was like something like 29 to 4 through the first like eight or nine minutes. And by then the game was over. Jim Boylan didn't call any timeouts until the 16 until the 16-0 run happened. Jim Boylan gave a ridiculous answer about why like he didn't make any subs earlier or why he didn't call any timeouts. So that was a whole lot, whole hot mess there. Then the Bulls came out, and then they beat the Atlanta Hawks in convincing fashion on the road. The next night, I was kind of worried that they were going to come out and lay a total league in Atlanta. But the Hawks were the team that laid the egg. The Bulls won that game 113-93. Tomas Sadoransky had a career game uh, with 27 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. Totally outplayed Trey Young. The Bulls as a team just played really well. They shot really well, and the Hawks were absolutely terrible. Then the Bulls played the, the Houston Rockets on Saturday. I was hoping maybe James Harden maybe hit up some of those local strip clubs, and he would have been terrible. Instead, James Harden was just making threes all over the rest. The Bulls were actually only down by one point at halftime, despite shooting terribly. And then the Rockets actually started making a bunch of threes. Harden was dancing all over them in the 117-94 final score. The Bulls shot just four of 32 from three. It was another brutal night for Larry Markkinen, awful night for Zach Levine. Basically, tough night for everybody not named like Wendell Carter Jr. and Chandler Hudson, who has returned and has been starting games with Otto Porter Jr. out the last uh, the last game, he was he has a foot injury. We're not totally sure how long he's going to be out. Hopefully, it's not too long because we know the lack of wing death is a problem. So, yeah, three and seven after 10 games. Uh, I think we, we want to talk about this Lakers game a bit and just go into some big picture stuff about how this team looks after 10 games. Obviously, super disappointing. 
so the ugly losses that they've had, not only to bad teams, but now some of these good teams, but they blow the lead against the Lakers. Lose by 23 to the Rockets. Not pretty. Ricky, just what are, like, let's talk about this that Lakers game first. Just what was going through your mind like when you watched the Bulls just totally collapse in that fourth quarter? Just awful, man. I mean, going into the fourth quarter with a 13-point lead, by the time LeBron checked into that game, it was only a one-point deficit for the Lakers. That's what really stood out to me. It wasn't Anthony Davis and LeBron that closed that big deficit. Those guys were on the bench when the Lakers went on that run. It was Kyle Kuzma. It was Dwight Howard. It was Alex Caruso that were carrying the Lakers. Just such a total collapse by the Bulls. And, you know, we saw it a few nights later in the week. Uh, against the Rockets, where the Bulls had another just total third-quarter collapse this time. It's just so stupid. Boylan keeps talking in the media about winning quarters and finding the positives and this stuff. It's like, dude, I think the loss against the Lakers firmly falls on Boylan's shoulders. Uh, His quotes after the game were just completely asinine, too. He was basically (laughs) saying that, you know, he didn't regret going bench v. bench for so long to start the fourth quarter against the Lakers because you wanted to give guys like Luke Cornett in uh, the rest of the bench an opportunity to learn. I have the exact quote in front of me. This is from Darnell Mayberry's column at The Athletic. It's point number 22. He said, Boylan was asked if he could do it again. Would he insert the starters sooner? Quote, nope, Boylan said, because I'm going to develop this bench. I'm going to develop this team. I've got 15 guys to develop. We're going to play them in those moments, and they're going to learn how to play winning basketball. I have never yanked guys. I have never done that. I'm not doing that. Okay, so that's just all a huge lie a anyway, lie. because we all know that Boylan's Bulls tenure started when he yanked all five starters two separate times to the Celtics and what ended up being a 57 point loss. Uh, And then you had like, you know, the supposed mutiny the day after he also yanked Wendell Carter last year for quote introspection. Boylan is totally out of his mind on this. And, you know, just the fact that he's doubling down on it, like your bench got absolutely clobbered by the Lakers. That would have been an incredible win for the Bulls. The Lakers are currently the number one team in the Western Conference. They're 7-1. and one. The Bulls should have won that game, especially since LeBron and AD were on the bench. It wasn't the Stars that won that game for the Lakers. It was the role players. The Lakers bench wiped the floor with the Bulls bench. Boylan refused to call a timeout when he had, you know, four of them left at his disposal, I think. Uh, so that was just such a frustrating loss, Jason. And, uh, you know... It's just been par for the course for the Jim Boylan era and for the Bulls. Yeah, the the quote where we, wherever he said he was like it was, it was like the timeout taking a timeout was like on my heart or on my mind or something like that. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And like it was kind of weird because like the Bulls bench actually was terrific in that first half when they built up that big, uh, I think it was like seventeen or eighteen point lead. They were they were looking great. Like I don't know if that's why. Like he, I mean, you talk about like developing the bench, but like once you see that game, this start to slip out of out of your hands and you're getting you're getting your ass beat by Dwight Howard is dunking all over you and Kuzma's just raining jumpers like once Kuzma got like those two baskets I think to start like the fourth quarter it was something like that call a timeout get your get a sub in get Zach Levine or Lowry Markin in I know I mean once those guys did come in they were also terrible it was the Lakers by that point they were totally locked in Lakers defense arguably the best in the league they've been terrific so far and the Bulls offense just could not get anything going we saw a bunch of turnovers like Lowry was just playing so soft and we'll talk a bit more about his issues coming up here but yeah I mean you, you just can't you just gotta know the flow of the game like you're talking about developing a bench like you, you can do that but once a game is slipping like that you're, this is a team you talk about you're trying to make the playoffs and then you're, you're talking about developing your bench while you're playing the Los Angeles Lakers at home and you have a lead in the fourth quarter like 
just no, just read the room, dude. Like you gotta, you gotta call it an earlier timeout. You gotta get some subs in, and then yeah, the quotes afterward just make it make it even worse. Uh, yeah, just just so much more frustration because it was again, it was a legitimately really fun first half, and they were playing really well. The Lakers were totally out of it. Davis was Anthony Davis was terrible. Uh, everyone was kind of rolling. Kobe White had a great first half, and then and then just all came crashing down. So yeah, I don't know. Just brutal stuff again, and we talked the Rockets game as well. Again, another just kind of one big quarter collapse where James Harden starts hitting some threes. The offense can't do anything. And the, again, the four of thirty-two from three. The three-point shooting has been a big problem so far. Like that was obviously a big point of emphasis. We've talked about how we wanted them to shoot more threes. They have been taking a lot of threes. They're at like thirty-four, I think thirty-four a game, which is um, I believe it's like eleventh in the league or thirty-four point seven per game. But they're only making 31.4%. Obviously, shooting four of 32 against the Rockets is a problem. Like, so I guess with like turning to like the Bulls, just like offense, like their their system, their philosophy, like like in this Rockets game, four of 32. I mean, I, I don't feel like they were, they're taking like bad threes. Like obviously, every game you'll take a few bad threes, but I feel like they're they're generating decent looks. They're just not making them. So like, I mean, I know you say if you're just not making them, you got to start doing something else. You got to pound the ball inside stuff like that. But like. Do you have an issue with the way they've been at least just running their offense? Like, do you think they need to change stuff up? Like, do you think they need to keep shooting threes like this? I mean, obviously in the NBA, shooting threes is you, like even if you're not shooting that great, it's better than like jacking up tough like mid-range shots. Like, what do you, what do you think? Do, they, do you think they need to make big changes with their offense? What do you think is the problem? Like, why are all the, why is Lowry shooting so bad? Like, what what's going on here with this offense? Uh, man, there's just so much you just hit me with there, but. No, I think their shot profile is pretty encouraging, actually. That would be one thing where I would say, you know, the changes that they tried to make in the offseason actually worked out in their favor, getting Chris Fleming to run the offense. He's given them a lot more desirable shot profile. They're taking a ton of shots in the rim, league-leading amount of shots at the rim. They're taking, uh, you know, quite a bit of threes, or a a lot more than last year, but they're still only 11th in the league in three-point attempts per game. The problem is they just can't make them to save their life this year. They're only shooting, what, like uh, 31% is a team from three. So certainly, uh, you know, the shooting has been one of the major issues on this team. They have a lot more. I'm going to go into what I think the three biggest problems with the team are, Jason, but first... We're going to have a quick word from our sponsors. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years. And the secret to a great shave, it hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you and add gimmicky features to their razors. I know for me, Jason, all I need is a simple razor. Clean my face up. I don't need uh, anything too fancy. I don't need a lot of these features. And Harry's is the type of razor that is sort of like a back-to-basics approach. With Harry's, you get quality durability in your razors for a fair price, just $2 a blade. They cut out the middleman manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing their precision for a century. That means that you get incredibly high quality blades at factory direct prices. Uh, Harry's is super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription. There's no risk in you trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a full refund. So if you want to get it on this deal, listeners of Cash Considerations can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. 
For that, you're gonna get a weighted aeronomic handle and a firm grip, a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry on the go. Go to harrys.com slash blue wire and start shaving better today. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. With Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Doctor, the, the doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is very straightforward, simple, and again, discreet. Getting started is very simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle. Now there's Roman. So complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. It's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash Blue wire. All right. So I said that, you know, we're going to look at the three biggest problems on the team, in my opinion. Three and seven after the first 10 games. There's only two teams in the Eastern Conference worse than the Bulls. The Knicks, who have already beaten the Bulls, the Knicks got blown out tonight by the Cavs. The Knicks are an absolute train wreck. It's them and the Wizards are the only teams worse than the Bulls in the Eastern Conference right now. You look at the West, there's a group of teams with two wins. The Warriors, obviously, they're starting basically a G League lineup right now. The Grizzlies, young team on the rise. Uh, lots of potential. They haven't seen it on the court quite yet. And then the Pelicans, you got Zion out. So the Bulls are one of the very worst teams in the league right now, Jason. Uh, I would say in no uncertain terms that this start has been like an F pretty much given the hype coming into the season, given the fact that they've played arguably the easiest schedule in the NBA through these first 10 games. I think if you're looking for, you know, where to point the blame, uh, I'm going to put, I think, Zach Levine at number three of where I'm putting the blame for this season. Here's my thing with Levine. There's been a lot of great players throughout NBA history who are terrible defensive players, right? Like Steve Nash won two MVPs. He was a terrible defensive player. Right now, you got a guy like Trey Young, who looks amazing on offense, but who is going to be defending like a worse in the league level. They just played the Rockets, where James Harden is constantly maligned for his defense, yet is still a consensus top five player in the league, right? Here's the difference between those guys and Zach Levine. It's, so it's not just the defense that's holding Zach back. He is the worst on-ball decision maker I can ever remember for such a talented player. Uh, we've talked a lot about how, you know, he's such a good, tough shot maker that it almost works against him. It lulls him into this false sense of security that he's going to take these impossible shots because every once in a while he does hit them. I think that that style of basketball, you know, maybe one day it can be beneficial for you in the playoffs. When the game slows down, it goes to more half court oriented sets. Uh you got to get there first, though. And the Bulls are nowhere close to a playoff team this year, in large part because this all-star jump that was promised from Zach Levine at the beginning of the season just never came, man. And it's because when he has the ball in his hands, you just can't trust him to consistently make the right decision time in and time out. Now, he's going to bail you out with some tough shot making. Every once in a while, he's going to get super hot. But 
you know, his his decision making to me has just been such a bummer this year. You saw it in the Rockets game in particular. To me, he looked like someone in that game who was just totally checked out uh, in terms of how he was playing. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he was like, what, four of 15 or something in that five game? Five of 17. Five of 17 in he, that game. Let's go back to the Lakers game in that fourth quarter. When they, like, obviously, we wanted Zach Levine in that game as the game was falling apart. Got him in a little. He was one of the first guys to come back in. But then when he did come back in, uh, there was a stretch where I think the Bulls were down. He did have, I believe, one basket when he came back in. But there was another stretch where the Bulls were down four. He pull, he he dribbles the ball around for a bit and he chucks up a contested fadeaway mid range jumper air ball. They the Lakers come back down and I don't know if you saw the highlight. I think it was or you remember the highlight where Tro- I think LeBron had a ridiculous pass to Troy Daniels in the corner for a three, and Zach is, like, guarding nobody. He had no idea what was going on. Obviously, LeBron made a ridiculous pass that, like, only he can make sometimes. But just, like, that, just those couple plays right there just just kind of show, like, the, the issues that have been with Zach. Just terrible awareness, terrible shot selection on one end, and then the defense then just completely losing his man, open corner three-pointer, and now the Bulls are down seven, and they're going way downhill. Just that kind of stuff, we see it too often. And if you just look at his basic numbers this season – I mean, they're way down. I mean, he's, again, We yeah, we you talk about all-star promise. Like, I bought into the hype. He looks so great in preseason. He had all the workout videos. I mean, right now he's under 20 points a game. His true true, true shooting percentage is under 53%, which is well below last season. Uh, his assists are down. His turnovers are about the same. So he's he's got an assist-to-turnover ratio right now of, like, 4.1 to 3.4, which is just not good at all. So, like, that's, that's bad. So, like, not only has the defense been bad, his offense has been subpar as well. So just, like, not... He has not been good. Like I said, he's not the number one problem, but for when we expected such a big jump from him, for him to base, he's clearly regressed from last year so far. Like I do expect him to be better. He'll have his games, his Memphis games where he goes for 37. He'll have his games where he makes clutch three-pointers on the stretch like he did against the Pistons uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, he is, he has definitely been one of the issues. Let's go to your next issue. All right, number two, I got Lowry Markkinen. So obviously you know that he's shooting three, 38% from the field to start this year through the first 10 games in 28% from three-point range. That was after hitting 36% of his threes, which still isn't good enough the first two years, each of the first two years of his career. How about this, though? Looking closer into his numbers, on shots classified as a jump shot, he's 24 of 81 on the year, 29% on jump shots Jeez. this year. That's from Basketball Reference. Uh, there is one saving grace, and that's that he's he's converting at a fine level at the rim. He's making 60% of his shots at the rim. He's terrible everywhere else. So what I want to see more from Markkinen is I want to see him in more actions as a ball handler in the pick and roll and as a screener. I feel like Carter, just as an anecdotal observation, has been the guy normally setting the screen in the pick and roll. I want to see Markkinen in more actions on the ball, whether the ball's in his hands as the ball handler or he's the screener, the pick and pop man, the roll man. Because I think, I feel like you just need to find a way to get him engaged. Right now, it looks like he's just like floating out there and he's chucking up shots. He's not playing with confidence. Uh, I think they need to get him more aggressive going to the basket. Now, obviously, this is someone who his long-term outlook is very heavily dependent on him being a very good three-point shooter. I think to get him going, though, you just got to get him some confidence, get him going to the basket. Uh, You know, you look at his numbers. This was something I harped on at the beginning of the season, that 68% of his field goals last year were assisted. This year, it's 70%. 
So basically, the guy's been been food spoon-fed all year. I think you need to let him, you know, handle the ball a little bit in a 4-5 pick-and-roll with Carter. Just try some creative ways to get him going downhill towards the basket because right now the dude has absolutely no confidence in his jump shot. He's been trash on every single type of jump shot from all distances the entire year. Uh, And, you know, I don't want to say this is like a full regression and that Lowry Markkinen's a lost cause, but they have got to find a way to get him going. Absolutely. I mentioned the stuff in the Lakers game where he had a couple of his bad turnovers late where he just, he, he looked lost. He looked just like scared. Uh, he got punked by LeBron and Anthony Davis multiple times in that game against the Hawks. He did come out and play a little more aggressive. He still didn't, didn't end up taking many shots, but he played pretty well. He shot well. He had some good stuff going towards the basket. I think, I think that kind of played in the confidence. He got a few buckets early around the basket. I think he shot pretty well from three that game as well. So that was a little better. And then just full out, Bad back to the back to regression stuff against the Rockets. He missed all five of his threes, three of ten. Uh, yeah, it has been rough. There have been a few somewhat decent signs. He's been getting in the line a little bit more. His assists are up a little bit, but I mean, just overall, I mean, the th- I still the three. He's not. I feel like he's not going to shoot this bad from three. I mean, twenty eight percent from three is ridiculous. He was thirty six percent basically both first couple seasons. Like I feel like he'll be back to around that, but. Again, we were we we're not expecting the same. Like we need him to be better. Like we can't have him be the same guy he was the first couple of years. Like we, he needs he needs to take a step, and we just have not seen that. The aggression stuff is definitely something that's been harped on, um, and I, I, he's clearly just searching for answers right now. Uh, Darnell Mayberry again, the athletic uh, was kind of had a good line of questioning in his Nuggets column after the Rockets game, just talking about Markkinen's role. Uh, he asked him like, "Why you look like a different player?" Markkinen was like, "What do you mean by different?" And then he says, "You're not as aggressive. You're floating around the perimeter." And Mark, this is this is Markin's response to that. He says, "We do have a different offense, and we're trying to figure out where the offense is coming from, where your spots are." And he admits, "I'm not running that much in the post. I'm more on the perimeter as part of our offense, but we're trying to figure out and get to our spots." And then he says again, "We'll figure it out. We work on it every day. I think we've made some progress. I don't really see that progress." And then they ask, "Like, where, when, how long do you give it the system? Giving it a shot before saying we need to do something else?" Markin says, "We don't have a timeline. I'm confident in our offense. Get better every day. Blah 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 blah." He, uh, he was asked, do you feel like you're being too unselfish? And he says, I'll try to make the right play. He admits he can be more aggressive. Uh, and then he's just, just kind of not sure. So he's clearly not totally, I don't, I don't want to say getting like, I don't know if this is also part of the system's fault. Are they, they, they're not just emphasizing him enough. You kind of talked about some of the stuff that they could do instead, giving him more freedom and just pushing him to be a bit more aggressive. That seems like that's obviously that's part of coaching as well. It's on his teammates. It's on him. It's, this is a whole, like, I don't want to put, put the blame just on him. I think this is going to be a collective effort because we obviously, we need to see a lot more, like, just for all the problems that the Bulls have, like, Levine and Markin and taking not only just stagnating but kind of regressing so far has definitely been just huge, huge problems. Uh, if you got nothing else on marketing, should we go to point number or uh, problem number one? Problem number one, obviously, Jim Boylan. This guy's garbage, and maybe you can look at the fact that Larry Markkinen shooting way under his below average, you know, career average. You can look at the way you know that Otto Porter was barely scoring in double digits before his injury. You can address the lack of wing depth, which essentially has nothing to do with Boylan. It doesn't matter. Like in addition to being terrible schematically, which I think Jim Boylan certainly is in terms of how the Bulls are covering the pick and roll this year, you know, with everyone on the, like, regardless of the lineup in the game, they haven't, like, adjusted their schemes in any way. They're basically blitzing the pick and roll on every single play. 
They're still 16th in the league in defensive efficiency as we record this on Sunday night, which is pretty surprising. The offense is 26. So, (laughs) you know, listeners of the show will remember before the season that I said I think the Bulls' offense will finally finish ahead of the defense this year for the first time in 10 years in the efficiency rankings. Well, that's gone to hell already, just 10 games into the season. Uh, So schematically, I think Boylan's really bad. But what I want to focus on is that I think Boylan is a terrible leader. And if I was a player on this team... I would say, fuck you, dude. I'm not going to play hard for this guy. This guy is full of shit, and he just does not exude the qualities of a leader that you would want in any sort of workplace environment. Uh, The one quote that really stuck out to me this week, it was from a few days ago, back when the Bulls were only 2-5. and Uh, So this is from about a week ago, but Boylan said, and I don't know what game this was after, but uh, he told Casey Johnson... Speaking of the players, I think they need to take more responsibility for their preparedness. I think they need to take more ownership for their readiness to play. Head coaches in this league have never been expected to coach effort. Effort has to come from each guy. Now, even if there is a morsel of truth in that, no, dude. Get your team ready to play. Motivate them. And when, If I'm a player on this team and I'm seeing a punch card and a time clock in practice <laughs> and i'm seeing all this ridiculous baby boomer garbage coming out of boylan he does not know how to talk to communicate with players today he does not know how to lead today's generation of players you saw this from the very start of his tenure when he was making the team run suicides of practice and do push-ups of practice we all joked about that at the time but you know i think if you're a player you have to just be like dude you are not someone I want to go to battle for. So schematically, he's terrible. As a leader, he's terrible. He's costing the team wins with his in-game decision-making, which is erratic every single game, specifically in that Lakers game. I think that that loss, you can very truthfully attribute to Boylan. Uh, And the worst part about this, Jason, is this guy should absolutely get fired. He should get fucking fired right now. They will never fire him because he just kisses Paxson's ass, kisses Gar Foreman's ass, And it's horrible. He's obviously one of the worst coaches in the NBA today, if not the absolute worst coach. We have a divided fan base, typically, for people who are very cynical like us and people who hashtag see red after every victory who really believe in the optimism of the Bulls. Both sides are coming together over the fact that Jim Boylan sucks. (laughs) They got to get rid of this guy right now. And it is so depressing, Jason, that first of all, he's even the coach this year. Remember, he was under contract for this season. They could have not extended him. They could have done an actual coaching search and tried to hire a good coach. You look at what's happening in Phoenix right now. Very similar situation to what the Bulls had uh, at the end of last season. You know, consistently one of the worst teams in the league. Some promising young players. The front office decides to surround them with some good veterans who can actually help them raise the floor an inch closer towards, you know, making meaningful progress and inch closer to 500, winning some basketball games. The Suns are awesome this year. They just whooped the Celtics butt. Meanwhile, the Bulls are just going down the tubes. The difference is that Monte Williams is a great coach in Phoenix and Jim Boylan's awful. He should be fired right now. And the only reason he's not is because he's basically a reflection of Paxson in the head coaching role. Uh, And so, you know, it's a problem with so many different layers of issues. And it's one that is ultimately dragging down the progress of this rebuild and dragging down, you know, the season. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that quote, like the prepared quote, because like again, there definitely is a morsel of truth. Like obviously, players, it's up, it is up to them to a, to a degree where you got to play. But obviously, when he said the part about like coach, it's not coach a coach's job to coach effort. Like since when? When was what? That is like complete BS. Obviously, it's part of your a coach's job to get his players to play hard for him and be prepared for stuff. Like that is completely ridiculous to say that it's not a coach's job to coach effort because obviously it comes out the player does have to do it, but it's if they're gonna do it if they're if they believe in the guy that they're that they're playing for and yeah and, and I I feel like there have been some like I think I was watching NBA TV recently and they were clowning like the punch. Uh, the punch clock thing and all that stuff because it's obviously that's this kind of thing where like if your team like i feel like it's, if it's already good and it's kind of like a fun thing you can and you're and you're winning games you can like laugh about it but it's the kind of thing where you just look like a complete asshole and a clown if it's going bad and so far that's what's going it's going bad and like the in-game stuff is obviously a problem uh throwing guys under the bus already like seven games into the year that's just it's brutal and obviously what the stuff that happened with the lakers game uh after that and all that mess yeah i mean it is a problem so far like i we talked about we after last season after how bad he was like we were we were we thought he was saying the right things in the off season we thought all right we'll give this guy a chance like full training camp clean clean slate we'll try to give him a chance but it's just it's just back to the same old goofy stuff seeing the same mistakes we're seeing bad uh bad in-game coaching we're seeing the goof, same goofy quotes and then the other day the the, the, the game the bulls beat the they beat the hawks by 20 Lloyd Pierce was pissed at Boylan after the game for calling like timeouts when the Bulls are up like tw- 30 points in the fourth quarter. He was calling like unnecessary timeouts and Lloyd Pierce was pissed. And this is not the first time this has happened. Uh, I think last year in Phoenix, uh, the coach was got mad at Boylan. I, I know he got Doc Rivers got pissed at him last year for something. So it's like he just does so much goofy stuff uh, with other coaches don't like him. Uh, I think other players have have mocked him like D'Angelo Russell mocked him with those like pushups in front of him last season because of all that stuff, it's just, if the Bulls keep losing like this, and he keeps saying dumb stuff, the Bulls are going to be a laughing stock yet again, after an offseason where we thought a lot of stuff went well, uh, coming into a season where we thought that they were going to play much better, and possibly uh, uh, compete for playoff berth, right now they're 3-7, and I know the Eastern Conference is trash, and they might be in it for all year, unless they just really fall apart, because that that race for the 8th seed or whatever might might be ugly, but yeah, I mean, right now it's the same old crap with Boylan. He, he's, you said he's not getting fired. It's definitely not happening. He's, he's under contract for a couple more years. He's cheap. Uh, he's boys with the front office. He's boys with Michael Reinsdorf. They love him. He's basically an extension of them. So yeah, not, not good. Anything else? Any? I guess those are those are the three main problems. So let's recap that. That's biggest problem: Jim Boylan. Number two: Larry Markkinen. Number three: Zach. And, Levine, and one more thing problems. on Boylan. Remember last year. There was that poll, I think the Athletic ran it, where yes. NBA yep. players said, yeah. Boylan is the coach they least want to play for. Yeah. He is making the entire franchise, tarnishing the entire brand, making the entire franchise look like idiots, which they are, if you follow the <laughs> franchise, of course. But he's literally doing huge damage to the perception of the franchise with today's players by just being a buffoon. Fire this guy. <laughs> Run a real coaching search. I mean, this is a disaster. Jason, like uh, an absolute disaster. Yeah, three, three and seven is obviously not where we thought the Bulls would be, uh, and and it's just the the nature of the losses has made it even worse. Losing all these games to bad teams, 
the, the way they lost against the Lakers, they get blown out by at home against I mean, they already have two 20 point losses at home again. That was one of the big things of last season was getting blown out on your home court. We've already seen that, that happen twice. And the Lakers game might as well have been basically a blowout the way they got embarrassed in the fourth quarter. So that's basically already three home embarrassments this season, plus all these road losses against these bad teams where they melt down late. Yeah, that's an dis- absolute disaster. Uh, again, the schedule is not going to get any easier. They do have a game where they absolutely have to win. They play the Knicks coming up uh, on Tuesday. The, the Knicks are a complete, obviously, joke, even though the Knicks beat the Bulls, which makes the Bulls a joke, too. Uh, but the Knicks just lost by, like, 25 or something to the Cavs tonight. Uh, the Knicks' front office came out, had, had faced the media. They were so bad tonight, basically expressing their displeasure with how things are going. Uh, so the Knicks are just a total dumpster fire. The Bulls cannot lose at home to the New York Knicks. If they were at the Garden, they'd have to beat them. They already lost to them once. You cannot lose to the Knicks again. But then after that, they go to Milwaukee to play Thursday. Uh, on Saturday, they host the Nets. The Nets have been struggling. But then, I mean, Kyrie Irving, they're obviously a talented team. That's another Eastern Conference playoff team. That's a home game. And then after that, they play the Bu- the Bucks next Monday. So they got the Bucks coming up twice. The Nets, uh, after looking even further than that, you got the Pistons and Miami. They have a, a nice little home shut here. The next, I think, f- five of the six... Uh, five of the next six games are at home. So you got, they got to make a little move here because if they keep struggling like this before they head out West, then like we're looking at like a lost season in, at, by the end of November. And they, that would be just really unfortunate given all uh, the optimism that we had coming into the season. Uh, it has been really bad after 10 games. I hope they can start shooting better. Hopefully their stars start playing, pl- playing better. Obviously, Jim Boylan, we want him fired. He's not going anywhere, and maybe, and maybe he does if they just completely go off the rails. I would even, I would still be surprised. But yeah, very unfortunate. Ricky, do you have any final thoughts here about Bulls next uh, after ten games? What they got coming up ahead? Not really, man. I mean, I look at the Eastern Conference standings right now, and like, there's no reason the Bulls should feel like you know they're somewhat eliminated at three and seven. Right. There's a lot of season left to play. Uh, the Magic are only three and seven. That was a team that everyone thought would be, you know, potentially in the mix for one of the last playoff spots in the East. The Hawks are a disaster without John Collins. He's out for 25 games. The Pistons are not impressive. They're four and six. They haven't had Blake yet, though. And then, you know, you got a Hornets team with four wins. And then you got the Cavs in the playoffs right now at four and five. The playoffs started today. You know, it's just like Bulls, dude. Like this is the year you really should have been making meaningful progress towards the playoffs. The playoffs were not an overly optimistic goal, I don't think. The problem is that the coach can't coach, the coach can't lead, and no one on the team can hit a goddamn shot for some reason. I don't know why they can't make a wide-open three-pointer. It's been a problem the entire season. They're getting good looks, and they can't knock them down. It's so frustrating, man, because there was some, some reason to believe this year. Like, we're not crazy, uh, thinking that perhaps they could be better this year, and instead it's the same old garbage as always right. after and, 10 games. Okay, yeah, And I don't want to give up yet. Again, it's only 10 games in. Uh, they have some home games coming up here. They are, uh, they are pretty tough against some tough teams, tough Eastern, Eastern Conference teams. Uh, they can still. You mentioned the standings. Like They're still only like a game or two. Like I think like two games out of the eighth seed because the East is so trash. But they, just, they can't afford to get into a big hole. We'll see, hopefully Otto Porter Jr. is not out too long. I know Boylan yesterday said that he's off. He was, I think, walking around with crutches. He's off crutches, and he's feeling a little better now. So hopefully he doesn't miss much more time. And Chandler Hudson has come back, and he's looked decent, at least for my expectations. Hopefully he keeps providing some energy. He at least plays hard. Uh, he's a bit erratic with the ball on his hands, but 
he's pretty good out in transition. Yeah, he had a pretty nice game against the Rockets. So hopefully he can play decent. Yeah, I just I I just don't want to have to be talking about another terrible Bulls season again. And so far, it's just been the same us bitching about the same old stuff, and it it's just brutal. It gets older after a while. We want them. We want to talk about some winning Bulls basketball. Hopefully, that starts with on Tuesday against the Knicks. Hopefully, they come out and just beat their ass. Just take care of them. Don't dick around with them. Come out and play a good, complete game and beat a team that they should beat, especially on their home floors. So hopefully, they do that. Uh, I think that's about it, right? You got you, you good? You d- got anything else? I'm worried about Otto being out too, man. If Otto's out for an extended period of time, yeah. that is going to be really hard for this team. Hutchison can't do anything in half court. He's pretty decent in transition. Uh, you know, maybe you could go with like the Ewing theory, the galaxy brain take that with Otto out, uh, Porter and or Markinen and Levine feel a little bit more empowered and take it upon their shoulders to carry the offense a bit more, but. No, it, it's going to be bad with Porter out. He needs to be healthy. He needs to be playing at his best. Otherwise, this season is going to go down the tubes very, very quickly. Yeah, unfortunately. Maybe we'll see some Denzel Valentine soon. He was tear- he tore it up in the G League the other day, but he's still behind like Arch and Shackers in the rotation. But not like Denzel Valentine's coming to save the day. All right, I think that is all for us this week. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Thanks again to our sponsors, Indochino, Harry's, and Roman. Uh, shout as always to Blue Wire. Please go follow Blue Wire on Twitter at Blue Wire Pod. Uh, for us, rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're on Google, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, all those fun places. Go check out all the other great podcasts around the Blue Wire network. Again, cash considerations. This has been Jason and Ricky. Take it easy, guys. Hopefully, the Bulls can start playing better. It is annoying watching them play like crap and blow games and boil and say stupid stuff all the time. <laughs> Take it easy.